is, you know, my life is unmanageable. Yeah. They could actually have a follow-up on that because uh, my life is unmanageable based on my managing. My managing it causes it to be unmanageable. Yeah. It's not that life's unmanageable, but my managing it causes it to be unmanageable. And it's really, let's say you're in a state of unmanageability, and it's it seems it seems to be working. Yeah, you're so shut down, it seems to be working. But then there'll be huge drives to get relief from it. Yeah, and you'll be wondering why you'll uh, you'll your mind is so is just leaking out trying to get relief. Let's say pornography or sex or music or drugs or alcohol, and you wonder why. Because it doesn't, you don't feel agitated anymore. You're numb. You're just numbed out, and that's the that's like the film of managing over life. Yeah, that, and then life seems unmanageable. But it's the managing. It's the mental solutions that are being applied that really give life to the problem, or that feeling of being irritable, restless, and discontent all the time. Yeah. You don't want to feel that, so you lie about it, you subdue it, you get loaded, but it just seems to be chronic. But that's, it's all because of the sense of self. Yeah. The feeling of being a someone is basically the petri dish of that malaise. And it's difficult to, to separate the two. It's impossible in a way. But we, wanna ha- but we look at it in a separate way. We think the malaise is happening to me. Yeah? instead of the me as the cause of the malaise. You know what I mean? It's like a diagnosis, and it's a chronic hiccup that the mind always runs into. Because it's identified as a self, so that's like forbidden. It's not looking there. So it thinks it has malaise. It thinks it has irritability, restlessness, and discontent. But it doesn't see the its its, its own, let's say, uh, format that's producing the malaise. Yeah? So it tries to change the effects, but it never gets to what's the petri dish for those effects to grow in. Yeah? And after a while, you live under its managing. Basically, your life is usually so shut down in so many ways. Yeah? Just to keep a lid on it. It's sort of like that thing, like that, uh, that thing that jack in a box. The pressure is so strong, it's going to spring out every once in a while. You know, people kill their family on the weekend or something like that. Because it's like all this pressure of managing, managing, trying to hold it together. When holding it together occurs when you let go. Or not even, even it's not even letting go because letting go is assumes there's a someone to hold on which is far, that's a far-fetched idea, yeah? There is no someone to hold on, so it's not even a letting go. It's not even like dropping the rock, because it's entertaining the idea that there was no one ever to pick up the rock. It was, that's so much superior a solution than dropping the rock, because then the rock, the dropping of the rock is still based on you, yeah? And then if you believe you dropped the rock, that same belief will be, will construe an event calling picking up the rock again. Yeah? So now you're now, I've got to let go because I'm the one who's holding on, but if there was no one to hold on, where would there be a need to let go? It'd be so much quicker. It wouldn't take any time to get out of the imaginary place. There would be a seeing of it, yeah. And there would be an, the, and it wouldn't be like a, there wouldn't be an exit, there was just no entrance. Yeah. If there was no enter, if you didn't enter what you think you were in, then all the drive to get out of it would be put to rest. Yeah? If you didn't enter where you thought you were, if you actually, if that was an impossibility, then its reaction of wanting to get out of it would be mute. Yeah? And what would happen? You'd be left with how things are and how, and how no thing is. Yeah? And what would occur? You travel lighter. You travel lighter over stuff. Like, you know, sometimes I have a, something comes up that seems important, and the thought system has its take on it. Yeah. And I attempt to, I just sit there, and I, there's no taking the thoughts that are being presented as the, as the, as the navigational tool. Yeah. You just sit and wait in the space and see what downloads. Yeah. But the thoughts will rise up and attempt to run, tell you what's going on, what you should do, and this and that. And it's that's the that's that urge to manage, 
what doesn't need to be managed, yeah? Then you make a big pontification of about a, a, a case and you you put all your money on that case and it's a bogus case. It was just made up from a, from a very strange point of view. Yeah? To be beholden to that is like is slavery to me. So this whole idea is just a simple message, just a simple invitation that can be repeated quite a lot. And that's what we do. We just repeat the same message, which is instead of looking to get something for what you take yourself to be, maybe realize you're not that which you take yourself to be. And then see how your movement in life, see how, how this progresses, see how this sees things. Like there's a guy I remember, he was in, um, he had lots of years in recovery, and he met this woman, and he was interested in this woman. But this woman was running in like a high class uh, group of people that drank very fine wines and they always looked like they're having fun and from his view as a recovered alcoholic he says either I'm going to have to drink with them or I can't see her anymore yeah? that, was, that was the solution either I got to cut off the relationship because I'm going to because I'll probably drink if I go there so I said why don't you just he, he started doing this at a meeting I said why don't you just do some service like you get out of self and then take a look at it and I bet you you'll see a lot more possibilities either should I stay or should I go yeah maybe there's other possibilities there but when the self is looking at something it sees it distinctly as yes or no yeah. this or that and sometimes that that camouflage of yes and no is you don't recognize what is what's what actually the invitation is yeah so In recovery, we just get led to this point because the system that my life was based on was a failed system. Yes? Since I was young, how I saw things was skewered. And then the decisions made out of that false perception produced, produced actions that brought about consequences that brought me misfortune. Yes? And so on and so forth. And when I came in AA, they pointed out to me, they said, you've been living on a, based on a failed system, bro. It's that simple. And the only way, the only solution in that case is surrender. There's got to be a surrender. Because right now, you're so in it, you can't get out of it. Yeah? So you've got to surrender what you think you're in. Surrender your will and surrender your life to a power greater than you. Just so that, and it can be whatever it may be. Yeah? Because you're the power greater than you. So, you go through this dance and you surrender, and what happens is there's relief occurs. Without any thought or, or feelings, just by taking the action of getting out of oneself, by doing service, you feel the relief from the bondage of self. Now the mind has a flavor or a taste of it, because you can't entertain what, you haven't, what hasn't been revealed. Yeah? You can't, like, I couldn't entertain surrender. I heard it in all these, all these spiritual groups and everything, and I got run over by cars and everything like that. Nothing had really provoked the surrender. It's all conceptual. It had no meat to it. But I was sitting in this trailer park the last day I ever drank, and something that happened there, something intervened and stopped the thought system for about four or five minutes, and stuff downloaded in me through this, and I realized that was surrender. Yeah? And now I've been able to entertain surrender ever since. Because I have it. Yeah? I, I have a knowledge of what it is. Yeah. Not a conceptual knowledge, but a knowledge, an intimate experience of it. So now I can entertain surrender. And it doesn't have to be provoked by extreme consequences. I don't have to go through a harrowing event or a near-death experience to, to get to a point of surrender. I can entertain it today. Yeah? I can entertain it today. So it, it leaves the state of surrender being provoked by a huge catastrophe. And now it gets to be surrendered. So there's no need for a huge catastrophe. Yeah? Because the mind doesn't need to be led to it. It already knows it. It had it. But what brought that about? How did that surrender occur? I couldn't have found it if I went to a store that said surrender. Yeah? I thought surrender would be like on a cliff with your hair blowing in the wind with 
important people around you, and you oh yes, I'm surrendering to that all-magnificent power where the light would be more on you than it. Yeah. But no, surrender was just a fucking regular day at the office. I was just trying to get stay loaded until I could get high. And then something intervened in the little noggin, and for those four minutes, whatever downloaded in those four minutes in time, I don't say it came from time, has produced an effect that's lasted for 26 years. 26 years of sobriety was initiated by that event. It was like a little portal, and it wasn't up time, but it dropped into time, and it's, it's weight in, the, in time is unbelievable for 26 years and the solution has grown it hasn't diminished over time it hasn't eroded over time it's actually grown and got brighter over time most things when you ha- get them here they tend to erode yeah the shine goes off things quite quickly but in this case yeah the shine just grew and grew and grew and it's still growing and that's the beauty of it because it's always able to be entertained because it's always so the mind now can reflect that and in that in that reflection a lot of possibilities appear yeah that not like the possibility is if I do this and do that I will be okay but I'm inherently okay yeah everything gets out of the time format which means you have the main player you're the main player in it because in time it looks like you're going to have to do and have yourself to get there yeah you're going to have to do and have to get somewhere but in this all of that is dismissed now there's doing and having but the way you walk through it is totally different the doing and having isn't isn't like you looking towards a goal the doing and having is you're looking at each step yeah you're not going anywhere you're just going there's just going and then what you're acknowledging or what you're sitting in or what your mind's resting in isn't in the coming and going it's in what's always there and what's always there can't be seen it can't be felt it can't be tasted it can't be touched that's why we're missing it we keep we we want to refer it to our our frame instead of realizing our frame is bogus and then you'll get that you're it yeah but instead it becomes a conceptual idea to fit in my frame my reference point which is a very strong reference point this body yeah that's what they talk about one of the biggest problems they believe humans will have when they meet alien consciousness is they won't recognize it because it won't look like us yeah you want to see it with two legs maybe an elongated head but it's got to be a thing yeah. that's how it is the reference point is so strong that you meet you meet something and let's say that something is nothing the only way you can recognize it is to make it something it's the only way nothing you'll walk away from and that's the beauty of it if you would just sit there and hold nothing it's going to turn into everything yeah instead of seeking to get something and something and something and when you add up all the somethings it basically adds up to nothing anyway why not start at nothing but nothing seems to be boring it doesn't just not, there's no shine like no mental shine to it like people hear this message and they come and go so quickly and they move to the next person who they think is delivering it but there's no getting the message because they, the time they're like on that that uh, moving sidewalk at the airport, yeah? The message is right there. They sort of like it, but they're moving. They can't stop and sit with the nothing because they got to get something. And if someone promises you a nothing but more of it, you'll sign up for that, like a two-week intensive. I want more nothing. I want extreme turbocharged nothing. Instead of just sitting with what is, and have it reveal itself to you yeah or through you it's not revealing anything to you it's through it's through the apparatus and you are the moving of what's moving through not what it's moving through you're that you're not the hose you're you're the water yeah the water is giving meaning to the hose but the hose wants to give meaning to the water. I'm carrying the water. I'm directing the water. No, you're not. The hose is just a just a, just facilitates the water. This body facilitates an event occurring. Yeah, but it's not of the body. Yeah. 
This ear is not hearing. It facilitates you. This eye is not seeing. It's facilitating seeing. Yeah? This nose is not smelling. It's facilitating smelling. Yeah. But what's smelling? What's smelling cannot be smelled. What's seeing cannot be seen. So I go, and I lay down, and I go back, you know, and you really rest in what you are. What happens is, let's say you follow sound. I like sound. Sound works. You listen to sound, and then you get you hear the sound in the streets, and that is definitely an, a projection because it has distance. Yeah? So you're in the dream, and that sound's going on seemingly outside, a hundred yards away. Then you hear something closer, someone walking in the house. Yeah. Then you hear something closer, like a sound on your bed. Then you hear something seemingly closer, your breath. Then you hear seeming closer, the heartbeat. Yeah. Then you hear something closer, sound that's prior to all the other sounds and doesn't seem to be produced by anything. It's not a car going by. Maybe it's produced by your onness. Yeah. And then you go back farther than there and there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Yet what's prior to the sound? What's prior to the last sound that can be heard? What's hearing it? What's hearing the sound? If you take it back as far as you can go, what's hearing that last sound you can hear? Yeah. Let's say you can become more conscious here. Yes? This is consciousness, not awareness. More conscious here. So now you hear more sounds. You hear the car, and then you hear some birds. It's like when people get in recovery. They come to me and go, I heard the birds for the first time you know, in years. I, I saw this incredible sky because they were somewhat unconscious. Yeah? There was no paying any attention to the sounds and what was going on. They were so out to lunch. So now they get a little more conscious, and they hear the sounds and this and that. But the, de- this, the identification itself is totally in place. They're hearing the sounds as the hearer of the sound. Yeah? They're seeing everything as the seer. So they get relief from one addiction, and then they drop back into the primary addiction, which is the mind's addiction to being a self. So all the hearing gets to be heard by the hearer. Yeah? It's just hearing. That's the event. But now it gets interpreted as the hearing is now interpreting that there's a hearer. Yeah? So you think the hearer is prior to all the sounds, and the mind actually says that it's there when there's no sound. (laughs) But it's something stable, long-lasting, and independent. But if you follow it back, just follow it back. Follow it back. You go way beyond this, and then you're hearing, yeah? What's that which is hearing? What's that which is hearing that siren? What is it? What's that which is feeling this wind? You can hear the rumbling over there. You can hear this. It gets the sound gets placed in different places, so different duration. And then we're in this time and space event. But what the hell is hearing? Well, it's me. Who's this me? The hearer of it, obviously. How does it have any sense of relevance? By, but, but only by taking itself to be the doer. That's how it makes sense of action. It can't handle the idea that, that you're just acting. It has to have a story. There must be an actor. It can't handle the space, that pause of just acting. It can't handle the conditional mind. It has to override it and make a story out of it. That acting is pointing to the actor. That hearing is pointing to the hearer. No hearing is ever pointed to the hearer. Not one. Not one thing that's ever been heard was pointing to the hearer. It's the hearing gets hijacked and turned into a story to, to emphasize a hearer. It's a, like a hijacking. Let it go through. Go back and see what the hell's hearing. And you'll realize what's hearing has never been heard. What's perceiving has never been perceived. It's an impossibility. What are you left with? Right there. A pause. The whole operation stops. Yeah? And yet something continues. What is that which continues when you seem to stop?
like the deepest recesses of your body, whatever sound it can make, there's something hearing it. Do you believe the body's hearing the body? Do you believe that you're a body that's hearing the body? When the body can be heard, what's hearing it cannot be the body. Yeah. All the seeing and the supposed seer can be seen. Yeah. If Huang Po is correct and says what can be perceived, which is this body, can't be the what's perceiving, then you've got your answer. Yeah. So when the head keeps implying that this is what's doing something, and some you hear a nice, maybe someone who you respect or don't respect, or maybe it has ancientness on it, and he says, hey, whatever is perceiving can't be perceived, there's your answer. Yeah? There's your corrective statement. It doesn't have to be 800 pages. Whatever can be perceived can't be perceiving. I perceive what is called Chris. Obviously, that can't be perceiving. Yeah? You perceive what's called Paul, who's calling itself the perceiver. Yeah? So, obviously, this can't be perceiving. What's perceiving? Find out. Not by looking for it, by realizing what you're not. You'll find out what you are. It's the most, it's the most clear knowledge. You find out what you're not. You question what you're taking yourself to be. In that, something gets suspended, and what if it gets of what you are, yeah, by recognizing what you're not, because what you're not is constantly appearing. You can't have a bigger reminder of everything you see, everything you hear, everything you feel, everything you taste, everything you touch, cannot be you. What bigger reminder do you want? <laughs> I mean, all day, it's yelling at us, it's screaming at us, the message. What's looking is what you're looking for. It doesn't say who's looking. We say that. We make what's looking into who's looking, and that's what disguises what's looking. Yeah. So what's looking is what you are looking for. Yeah. What would happen if the you dropped out? Then there would be what's looking, looking for. What? But we want to. We want the who in place. I want to be the who, and I want a little what to, to leaven off the who. The who isn't working well. You know, I'm bummed out. I'm irritable, restless. I'm concerned about the future and this and that. So maybe I can acquire some what, mix it in with the who, not losing the flavor of who though. But I just want a little what in there. It doesn't work that way. The who is the blindness to the what. If the who is looking, you're going to be blind to what's looking. You're going to be looking for it instead of realizing you're looking from it. Yeah? You'll be looking for it, not realizing that you're actually looking from it. Every moment that you're looking for it, you're looking from it. Today, when you go to work, when you don't go to work, when you have an argument with someone, when you don't have an argument with someone, it never, never changes the fact of what's looking. Yeah, never. We can massage the who that seems to be the one that's looking. We can try to make it better. But in fact, no matter how great the who gets, it has no, no effect on what you are. There's no blemish ever left on what you are by the, the antics of who you are. Not one. The who is never going to get close to the what. The who is what presupposes distance to the what. Just see the who. And if you see the who, it must be, it cannot be what can be perceiving. Yeah? If you see that it's thoughts that are producing this feeling of being Paul, it's feelings that are producing that feeling of being Paul, then what isn't produced by thoughts and feelings must be you. Yeah? 
And that's the awareness. If you want to give it a title. But that's what we are. We're the seeing of all that we're not. There's nothing else that could see here. Everything we see, even these bodies, they're facilitating seeing. They cannot see. What we are is the seeing. In a sense, who we are is what is facilitating the scene. Yeah? This is the, like the camera or the binoculars or the telescope. Yeah? So it's like mind is behind the telescope or scientist, let's say, is behind the telescope. It looks in the night sky and it seems to produce a perception that the stars are closer. Now, if you watch that event from outside, the stars haven't moved closer. The telescope is just a bunch of lenses that facilitates a perceptual idea that seems like the stars are closer, yeah? But what's allowing that to happen is what's looking through the telescope. If the scientist walks away, the telescope is never looking at the stars, ever. It has a chip and it says, I once looked at the stars, and now all of its blindness is presupposed to be a new looking, and all you see is the fucking past. And all the while, the, the scientist has it left. <laughs> the scientist is the only thing that's facilitating any of the looking. Yeah? But the telescope now has taken itself to be that, that which is looking. And for that to seem so, it has to, tell, it has to deny what is so. It has to deny what is so. It seems so important that that has to be denied. It has to be. Because you wouldn't take self so seriously if that was obvious. Yeah? So if there's a huge taking of self seriously, it's a pretty good, good diagnostic, diagnostic that something's blocking off the obvious. Yeah? So that you can seem to be so obvious. Because you have no obvious to stand on without the denial of what you are. Whatever's going on, you just go back into it and back to it and back to it. Yeah? No matter how far you think you went away, it doesn't take any time to get back to where you never left. No matter how how much the string spun out, yeah, there's no big pulling it. Once you realize, once you go back, once you entertain the resting point, time doesn't have its influence. Yeah? The solution is not of time. I had an event once in a hospital. They were doing a local op uh, operation where they gave me a local anesthesia. And they built a little wall here. And they were working on my leg. They were pulling these rods out. Yeah? So uh, all the emphasis of the people was up down there. I was laying back and there was these big giant aluminum bowls that make the light more reflective so they can see better. And I was looking in this bowl and then suddenly something came over the event. Yeah? And it was like the sweetest, its expression here was like the sweetest feeling I've ever known. Yeah? Just way beyond anything. And what happened is when it started to, to sort of dim down and the selfing arose again, the humility of the selfing was unbelievable, and I realized that whatever I had ever been through was worth it just for that one second. All the 50 years or 40 years of insanity and getting run over and shot at and overdosed and having people I like leave me and all this, watching people I love die, all of that, all of its importance was erased in a nanosecond just by one obvious sense of that. Yeah. It's like 40 years of like a a chalkboard with tons of chalk markings erased in no time at all. Just like that. Your whole story <coughs> just dispersed. Yeah? What was holding it together was the mind. Yeah? It has no sense of reality other than the mind taking it to be so. When something seems as real as real to you, you have to realize you're lending it the reality it seems to have. How can false evidence actually be real? It only reaches the level of appearing to be real. The acronym of fear in recovery is false evidence appears real. Yeah? It needs a you to appear real too. It can't appear real. It has to have an observer of it. It has to have, to have, it has to have someone seeing it 
Yeah? And it, from the seeing of it, giving it the meaning of being so or not. Because it's false evidence, yes? False evidence is appearing real. How can it appear real but by the observing of it? Yeah? If it's a who that's observing it, it may appear real. If it's what's observing it, it doesn't appear real. It's as simple as fucking that. Yeah? But it's false evidence. Things are arising constantly. They can appear real to you, or they may not appear real to you. Yeah? Their reality isn't based on them, on it. They're based on you. In other words, like they say in physics, the biggest influence of any experiment is the observer of the experiment. When the physicists are looking for light and they're looking for it as a particle, they seem to find it as a particle. When looking at light as a wave, they find it as a wave. It's like the light responds to the observing of it. Yeah? It appears to be a wave or a particle based on the mind that's looking for it. Yeah? You don't see that? This is, that's what's happening all the time. The mind, as soon as it's identified or reflecting, selfing all day, its ability to reflect is agitated. So all you see is surface bumps. All you see are concepts, ideas, things, yeah? It needs to have it calm down, and it will never calm down. I don't care if you get 50 Thai massages. If the mind's in selfing, it's never going to find a, a true sense of relaxation, yeah? Because it's based on agitation, yes? What happens if, and all those mental winds are blowing on its surface and causing agitation? So it looks like you can't, see, all you see is the surface, yeah? But that same, that same event, if the mental winds didn't have so much influence and there was a calming, that mind would reflect, right? If it was here as a whole, it would reflect this open sky. All you would see is the space of the sky above it, when you looked in the water, yeah? When we look back, what we see is an agitation of mind, yeah? And it seems to coagulate into this old idea, like a Photoshop image of you, a vague sense of being the historical Paul. So every time I have an experience and I come back to back to who's having the experience, I get stopped at this idea of who's having the experience, yeah? And it's all agitation. All agitation. I go back, let's say, to find rest, and there's no rest. So then there's looking, and then what happens, which is so insane, you start looking outside to produce the rest that can only come from here, yeah? From the mind itself. You're trying, now you're trying to manipulate the mind to find rest by doing something or having something, yes? which only promotes all, all, more agitation because it's going to be referenced in time so if it worked today, it may not work tomorrow. So the winds are blowing and more blowing, more blowing and your whole mind's agitated all day. You go out and then it goes back and you go back to this very unresting place. You can even see it for the poor body. It can't even sleep at night when it lays down because the mind is very active going over the waves it saw today or whatever. Yeah? And it's, you're just well, fucking burnt out. Well, what would happen is, all right, the attention goes out, I'm having an experience here, then it obviously goes back to what's having the experience. Yeah? And it, could you imagine if it could move through the who, that little false block that claims the experience as being the experiencer, and it went through, it went through that, it would, there's the pure, placid, reflective ability of mind. Now it's reflecting no thing amongst all the things. Yeah? Now you have a sense of presence of what's not appearing. You have a sense of your own presence because you're not appearing. And then you realize, geez, okay, I've been going to like a library to buy a chainsaw. Yeah, it's not going to work. Now things get changed. All right, I'm not going to be looking for my salvation outside. There's no effort or thought involved. It's just a dawning. There's a realization. Yeah? There's a realization of a lot of things with no huffing or puffing or thought or effort. 
They just come seemingly unbidden because they don't come. They come from what you are. They're not coming to what you're not. They come from what you are. You're the source of it all. We want to deflect that and hope that it comes to us as this. When we can be in where it's all coming from. At any point of any day, it's never changed. It's never changed, no matter what condition you think you're in, or what someone else's condition they think you're in. It doesn't set you anywhere, anywhere, what you are. It's the true transcendence. The transcendence doesn't come from leaving a place, it's realizing there's never been a place to leave. That's the transcendence. The transcendence here looks exactly like you're totally here. That's the transcendence. Not this Paul looking like it's totally here, but the totally here-ness of Paul. Yeah. Paul's got a lot of freaking weird things going on. But it's all happening here. It's not happening yesterday or tomorrow. Yes? It's not a perfect Paul. There isn't one. This, inf- this invitation led me, led the mind to entertain these things. Yeah? And I have faith that it will lead any mind to entertain what, it want, it, what it's meant to entertain. Yes? I have total faith in it. All you need to do is repeat the message. Bum, 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 bum. If there seems to be amnesia that happens in Tuesdays and Thursdays, repeat the message on Wednesday. How much trouble can you get if there's a meeting on Saturday and Wednesday? Yeah, two or three days. I thought, you know, you can easily corrupt usually that. Yeah. It's not like once a year we have a meeting and it costs you $1,000 to come. Every freaking week we share this repetition because it works. Because repetition works in the dream. Why do you think you go buy what you buy? It's because it's been repeated over and over and over again. You need something. Yeah. You wouldn't have come up with that. When you were a kid, you wouldn't have come up with it at all. We've been prom- it's been promoted and reinforced constantly. We think we're so special, we're immune. We think we claim all the conditional effects that are appearing as us as ours. <laughs> oh, I like, I like that. You like that because that's what you fucking heard, maybe. Tons and tons of times. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm so unique. No, you're not. You're a run-of-the-mill Ford. <laughs> Don't get your astrology done. It's amazing how similar it will be to you. <laughs> Somebody doesn't even know you going on the internet. Just give them the day you were born and the time. Oh, jeez, they have a pretty good take on me. That's how amazing that is. No, they look, astrology looks back at, oh, the Ford was built 1952, this month. These are the people that are working on the conveyor line. It's going to drive like this. It's going to smell like this. And then you're like, it's like, oh, so revelatory. Wow, how do they know about me? Because you're a, a large... A, a lot of production of you came out. A lot of fair lanes were built in 52. And you drive and smell and turn and break just like one. <laughs> wow, how did they get that right? Fuck. Just by time and a date, they know so much about me, yet I've been looking into me for 50 years, I don't have a fucking clue what's going on. I go to astrology, they set my whole life straight. What the hell? Because they don't see you as a person. They see you as a product. That's being produced. And you were produced in January 21st, 1952. You're going to look sort of like this. These are going to be your attitudes. <laughs> your personality, little vents. <laughs> we always go back to that thing in the Enneagram, in Sufism. Enneagram is a process they use where they, they basically characterize every type of personality that could be in the human fold, so to speak. And they got to be nine basic ones. And because we're so unique, they added two subdivisions on each nine. So there was like 27 aspects you could have. So they had these big retreats where you go and you learn about it. You learn about the characteristics of a six, let's say. And then if you're hearing it and you identify with it, maybe you're a six, you know? What happens is everyone leaves the room and they have, we meet for lunch, and everyone, you're a seven, I'm a six. No, when you find out that you're a six, that's, that's exactly what you're not. 
Yes? What you've been calling yourself to be has now been explained as obviously not you. Yeah. Because there's a whole lot of them. <laughs> there's a whole lot of sixes and a whole lot of fours and stuff. So you get, it's not like something else to identify. Now I'm a spiritual seeker from a six point of view with a sexual subdivision of eight. And this, give me a break. You've added on to the dilemma, not subtracted from it. But all knowledge about self is to lead you to the point of losing interest in self. Yeah? You study self to forget it. You don't study self to know it. You study self to forget it. Because what you study is will point to you, you're not that. And if you're not that, your mind's going to lose interest in it. No matter who you think you are, your mind's going to lose interest in that topic. Once you take its main plank, which is it's you, that's the only reason why your attention is going back so far in the past. Do you go back in the past for anyone else other than you? Are you really thinking about Stanley? How did, what did Stanley do eight years ago? I, you know, that's... No, you're not. The only one you're usually going down that path for is you. What would happen if you don't go there any for anyone else? Maybe if you saw yourself as anyone else, you wouldn't go there either. Yeah. That's how I found it worked. I didn't lose interest in it by being interested in it. And all the spiritual practices I was involved with were somehow being used to be interested in that which I was trying to get out of. So the more I tried to get out of it, the more I was glued to being in it. Yeah? And it's really a big, heavy, crazy glue when you think you're out of it and you're really in it. <laughs> it's a real fucking trap. Because now you think you're not, you don't have any glue at all being applied. Yeah. But the thing that worked with me is I found it dawned on me, it downloaded, hey, this is a foreign installment. Yeah. I didn't conjure this up. These aren't my defects. These aren't my resentments. These are being produced from a certain point of view of mine, called self-centeredness. If I go anywhere in the world, and sort of that's the extreme example I have of self-centeredness, alcoholism, I'll identify with their thoughts and their feelings and their reactions to life, because they sure sound like mine. Because in that point, we've all been Fords, alcoholic Fords. And we're so, we're so wondering, why, why? That's it, you're a fucking Ford. And then you're not. That's the solution. But if you mentally deny it, or spiritual practice deny it, it won't work. If you let it finally land on you, I am totally fucked. That's the beginning of being unfucked. If you try to get away from it, you're going to be fucked. Every move, all your moves of, of denying or not being fucked, you'll be more fucked. Have you seen someone who's in denial of alcoholism? They're, they're living as an alcoholic all day. They're the perfect vehicle for alcoholism to express in their denial of being an alcoholic. But an alcoholic who admits they're an alcoholic starts, starts having those, that bondage broken a day at a time. It's amazing. It's weird. You wouldn't think it would go that way. Yeah. You would think the last thing I want to do is admit what I am. Yeah? But in fact, when you're admitting what I am, you're admitting about what you're not. None of it could possibly be you. But it, it lives as you as long as you're denying it. Subtly or, or obtrusively. As long as there's the denial of it, it's going to be living as you. But when you finally say, alright, that's what I am, you realize you're not. But not, not a second before. Yeah? So it happened with me in recovery. Years running like crazy, never just getting, admitting to that innermost sense that I was fucked, yeah? And I was totally fucked by not admitting it. Finally it hit me, I admitted I was fucked and I've been unfucked or being unfucked for 26 years now. Yeah. One was a total failed system. Now it's a working system, yeah? What's behind it was the same thing that's always behind behind everything. What's looking? Yeah? That's getting its due attention because I'm not looking at it from who. I'm looking at I'm looking at the who from that. Yeah? And the who is a production. It's a process. It's a referral. It's an implied 
an assumption, an insinuation, a whispering, a little, a, a little hand gesture to get your attention. That's all it is. It can never capture what you are. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a nice bit of faith to have? No matter when all the shit seems to be hitting the fan. Not as a way to try to make the fan and the shit easier, but an absolute recognition that you're not any of that. Yeah? You're totally embodying whatever that is at the same time. The only thing that's ever really made me show up here totally was realizing I'm not here. As long as I was here, I didn't want to be here. My whole intent was to get out of here. When I realized <laughs> I'm not here, it's been okay. <laughs> it's funny how it works, you know. You push and push and push 30 years, and then you realize it says pull. <laughs> but after 30 years of pushing, you've built up a huge story, which will increase the blindness to the seeing the sign pull. Because you don't want to look like it's so stupid and stuff, yeah? You really don't. You, wanna, or you don't want to, you hope you weren't caught on camera for 30 years trying to push the pull, you know? So, so I'm just going to fucking keep acting like it's push or what? No, really. We say it all the time. There's like a, a story I say in AA about. And because we talk about. Uh, it's big. I'm going to say it. We got time. It's based on the idea of self is what has defeated us. Yeah? And in recovery, after you're convinced of that, you do an inventory on your life. And you look at some topics resentments, which means to refeel something. You look at fear. And then you look at harms done to others in the pursuit of what you want, and then we use the sexual arena, because that's a pretty juicy arena. So, but you need to be clear that self has defeated us in man- manifesting in various ways. Yeah? And the thing, my feeling of it, is how it defeated us is being identified as it. That's how I can actually work. So, and it says, all right, now we're going to look at its common manifestation. So based on this, let's say a guy has a really nice house. A lot of people heard this many times. But has a really nice house with a beautiful backyard. And in that backyard, it has a lot to do with his whole life. You know, he has picnics there. And he has, like, uh, lawn bowling tournaments. And he likes to run around in the morning dew with no shoes on. And he loves the lawn. It's a big aspect of his life. So one day he's running out in the morning. He jumps down and he lands on some shit, you know? So immediately something has to change. He's got to wear shoes now. And so he starts looking at He goes and gets some shoes. He starts walking around and he sees there's a lot of shit on the ground, which he didn't think there was before. And he smells. It smells pretty bad. So he thinks, I got that fucking big lawn tournament this week. All right, I got a call, cancel that. And so then he just walks in and he just ignores it, hoping it will go away. Next morning, he jumps in with some, you know, army boots, so, but he steps in shit. Then he walks around, there's a lot of different kinds of shit, you know, a lot of manifestations of shit. You know, diarrhea shit, other shit. And he says, fuck this, so he walks in, I can't deal with this, so he just pulls down the blinds, and then he just ignores it. And he stops, doesn't lawn bowl anymore, doesn't play around on it, no more picnics, and he, his mind starts tolerating really what's intolerable. You know, starts getting smaller and smaller to fit itself around this lawn being not usable. So then he's in this problem. And so a guy hears about it and says, hey, I got a solution. And you're really into the solution. You want, you know, you'll do almost anything to get that lawn back. So he says, listen, yeah, use a pooper scooper, yeah? Maybe you should get two. And if you get good enough, you'll pick up the shit so fast, you'll have, there'll be a time that you'll have at least four by eight feet of grass. You won't be able to lay on it, but you'll, act, you know, you'll be able to stand on your lawn without any shit. And so, all right, fuck. So now you get it. You get pretty good, yeah? And then you hear, and other people hear about it, and they start calling you, and you go to meetings where people have the same problem, and everyone's talking about the shit and everything, and they're trying to start, you know, wearing masks or putting those, you know, Christmas trees and fresheners around, you know, but, everything, but everything's fitting around the shit as being what's so. 
And so then, you know, you start sharing and, pe- and then people say, hey, it's working. He's pretty good. He's got the shit going pretty good. So now you think, now you become like an authority how to pick up shit, you know? And then you go become a circuit speaker. You go around the country and you realize there's tons of people with this dilemma. And you become like a big, a big honcho. And you've got autographed uh, pooper scoopers you sell and you've got a big business going on. And, you know, you've got, you know, you're writing papers on it, and you're like, so, you know, like one of those experts. And so now you're in a situation, and the guy hears about you, and he comes over, and he says, hey, I got a solution to your problem. And you go, what problem? I said, I thought you had a problem with the shit. Oh, no, 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 man, the shit led me to this. I'm a shit expert. And, like, you know, I've got this whole line of poop and scoopers and everything like that, bags and everything. And he says, well, all right. He says, but if you want the solution, just find the dog. It's like a huge revelation to the person. What? Find the dog. Now you would think you would immediately go to that solution, but you got in a lot investment invested in that shit. You're a circuit speaker. You got this whole line of pooper scoopers. Yeah? So there's a mental pause. Hey, I'm not gonna go for that. Yeah? Because it's a threat to this. Yeah, this is the dilemma. Because in this example, you're the dog. Yeah. And you love the dog, you don't want to get rid of it. But that's where the shit's coming from. <laughs> if you got rid of the dog, there'd be no shit. There'd be no pooper scooper. You'd maybe lose your job as an authority and this and that. But maybe, you know, find out what happens. But the dilemma is the identification as the dog. You'll defend the right to have that shit in your life. I swear to God, I have watched people defend the right to be bummed out. They fucking will die to be depressed. They have such a story, you can't talk them out of it. No, I know why. I've been this way a long time. All right, have it. That's what you want. Who's who's there to argue with you? Yeah? This is all because of the identification. If the identification wasn't strong, as soon as a real solution arrives, you would naturally move towards it. It would be like a kid. You know, moving towards like the sand, you know, the sandbox. It wouldn't be, oh, you know, no, you just gravitate towards it. That's what it's like. Just find the dog. And when you find the dog and you admit that you're the dog and all like this, and it seems seems so terrible, you'll realize you're not the dog. But you'll never realize you're not the dog as a dog. Never question. Go that way. So there you go. Hmm? No questions?